and good evening. Welcome, my fellow lovers of love, for this excursion down a stream of consciousness towards the river of tranquility and on towards the lake of love. Yay! <laughs> so we got one out today. <laughs> so we're all going to have to excuse Madam Lovey over there. She's burning on uh, two candles birth ends today. She's running on little sleep, and I'm running on disturbed I got, sleep. I got three hours sleep, yeah. And I'm running on disturbed sleep today. So if we drag a little bit, it's you know why. Let's just, yeah, 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 <laughs> you know yeah, why. You know why. So it's been an interesting week. You know, I've spent most of the last few weeks essentially on rest and relaxation, taking care of myself. But, you know, I'm not completely disconnected from the world. And... We saw how there are people who are now beginning to understand that you have to take care of yourselves first. I mean, we have some stories lined up that we're going to talk about here coming forward about people who have decided that some of the tasks of their careers, I'm talking highly successful people, aren't worth it. And we've also seen in kind of the labor market itself. People are not accepting job offers for jobs that are not low-paying because many low-paying places have no problems hiring people. The work environment has to be rewarding or at least not soul-crushing. Yeah. You know, someplace like Chick-fil-A is not having trouble hiring people. But Burger King's are. Well, and McDonald's are. Well, that's telling you something. The tasks of the job are essentially the same. So there's something about the work environment that is attracting people. I mean, the pay and the, the work and the task are essentially the same. And so people are deciding that they're taking care of themselves, that they no longer have to accept whatever crappy work environment. I read an article that said 40% of workers are considering leaving their job, not because of money. Another study said people are willing to take huge pay cuts to work from home. Well, that's saying something, isn't it? There's been a trend lately. People are, are, not, are not signing up for abuse. Yeah, well, the the old employment model is dying. Uh-huh. And sadly, there's too many of us who don't know it. I mean, many people like the stability. They like the theoretical stability of, of traditional employment. But there's a lie to it. A lie? Well, sure. So there's the kind of lie. You you go up, you get a good job at the at, at some company, you work your way up to the top, you retire with the golden watch. But if you start that at 25, you retire at 65, that's 40 years. How many companies last 40 years? Huh. 10%, 20% maybe. It's a lie. It's not a deliberate lie, except it is. I mean, the companies themselves think they're going to last 40 years. No one plans for their company to die after 20, 25 years. But the reality is, for most companies, your purpose of existing dies after 20 years. And if you don't evolve, if you don't change, you become seers. And it's not so different for us human beings. Are you the person you thought you would be at 25? Are you that person now, or are you a vastly different human being than you thought you were going to be at 25? Well, the market changes and evolves. Yeah, the world changes. Yeah. You change. Yeah. What you want changes. Your experience changes what you want. I mean, it's just the way the world works. There's no way around it. As you go through life, you know, the experiences you go through, the education, the knowledge, the trauma, all of that bundled together changes what your outlook is, changes what you want in life. And then, you know, age changes what you want in life. At 25, I wanted, you know, a family, the white picket fence, the whole kind of theoretical thing. 
well, now I'm 50. That part of me is past. So now what? I no longer want the children and the little children and the white picket fence. And painting a white picket fence is a pain in the butt. Children take a lot of energy. I've already raised my five kids. I, you know, there's now what? Now I've got my path. I've got my plan. But the question is, the point is, is that everybody asks that question. Everybody goes through that evolution. And it's not just humans. It's businesses. It's governments. It's societies. It's cultures. Everything has that evolution. Where what you were is no, long, is no longer what you want to be. Or you become something that you don't want to be. And you have to find your way back. And the, that happens as well. You find yourself lost. So to kind of cover that, we had this. Uh, we'll just start right here from the top. This is talking about this lady who has a bachelor's degree, takes has four jobs to, to make ends meet, and she's not working in a field for her bachelor's degree. And she says it's not worth it. She says she doesn't feel it's worth it. Well, there's two questions. One, you know, if you took a bachelor's degree for educational purposes, not for career purposes, that's fine. But you have to understand that you're going to have to build your career based upon your other talents, not based upon your bachelor's degree. Your bachelor's degree will still open doors. Always does. The fact that you have that degree will open more doors than if you don't. It, it, it's a screener. It's just, it's not even that it actually means what the hell degree you have in. It's, it helps you get, if you got looking at two people who are similar on paper, one has a degree, one does it. The person with the degree is more likely to get hired than not. It, right? If it's a 60% yes. to 40% chance. Yes. If, uh, if, if all things else are relatively equal. Right. Now, the question is, is it worth the cost of a modern degree? Not just monetary costs, the cost of time. It takes four years, five years to get those things down. Traditional way. Traditionally, yeah. And how much? Sixty thousand bucks? Fifty, sixty thousand bucks? Okay, if you're poor, you get most of that paid for. But still, now you can go to an online school, something like Western Governors University, or there's a handful of them, and you can do that much cheaper. If you're poor, FAFSA pays for almost all of it. Just FAFSA alone. So you can get that done for free and you can do it on your own time, either fast or slow. You know, or you can spend that time as an apprentice and get some and that same four years of experience. Depending upon your field. Now there's some fields you can't. You can't be a doctor through a apprenticeship. It might be a good idea to try that, but you can't be a doctor through an apprenticeship. You've got to go through traditional means. You can be an you can be a lawyer through through apprenticeship. Through apprenticeship, yes. Yeah, there's lots of things you can do through an apprenticeship or through traditional training. Or you want to be a welder, you know, you can go be a welder, and you can go take a join the welders unions and they train you. You know, there's ways to go about. You know, if you're a physical labor, but if you're someone who wants to use mental labor, who wants to sell your mental labor. That's a different task. You know, physical labor is easier to train people for than mental labor. And we don't think of it that way. We have people sit in an office and push, we talk about pencil pushers and, or, or now they're keyboard push, key, keyboard warriors or whatever you want to call them. You know, people who sit in a cubicle all day, they're mental workers. They use this instead of these, instead of your, your muscles. You use your brain instead of your muscle. You know, people who work on construction sites and laborers and coal miners, you know, it's not that they don't use their brain, but they're generally hired for their strong backs and strong muscles. You know, 
and people who work in offices is are people who have a strong tolerance for that. You know, lots of people can't work in an office in a cubicle setting. You just can't do it. It sucks their soul. Which again goes back to the sixty percent. Uh, you know, 40% of people, 45% of people, whatever it was, that, you know, looking to quit their job. So the question becomes, you know, is... Well, my advice is to just keep searching. You know, you can't give up. No. So so here's her, here's the kind of winning quote for her. My degree sits mainly untouched and forgotten since I earned it in 2010. It's hardly the topic of any conversation, and it's certainly not a point of pride. Oh, that's sad. Well, it's because she's facing tons of debt. She doesn't feel like she's using it or using any of them. And so for her, it's just an anchor. And uh, it's, a, it's a bad way to look at it because they, they've sold this degree as an economic thing rather than a self-education thing. She's a better human being because she went to school. Yes. And maybe she's not using her degrees directly, but I'll guarantee you she's using them indirectly. Guarantee it. You can't not. You can't go through that type of education and not use it at least indirectly. It's just not possible. So, anyway... My, my advice would be to take a step back, take stock about the benefits that it actually has given you. Yeah, okay, you have some economic issues because of it. And there's some problems that, you know, aren't your own. You were sold a bill of goods about the expense of that thing. Yeah, but, that's what I would be upset about. Yeah. So the other one is... And this is a big national news, and I, God, I'm going to butcher her name. Naomi Osaka, I believe is, her, is how you pronounce her name. She first, she's a tennis player. Uh, I don't know if she's number one, number two in the world, but anyway, she's one of the top tennis players in the world, top, clearly top five. And she refused to do um, the press uh, mandates after her, her win at French Open, and now she's not going to go to the uh, Wimbledon because she wants to take care of herself and she doesn't want to deal with the press, the press duties. It's the press duties she doesn't want to deal with. She's perfectly fine playing tennis. She just doesn't want to deal with press duties, which I can understand. The press is the worst part of having to deal with these kind of things. Yeah, but isn't it part of the job? Well, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. The only reason you get paid is because people watch you, and the only people, people, reason people can watch you is because people report on you. So maybe the question is, why do we allow the press to behave so uncivilized? We know the way the press behaves has a... Unintended consequence on people. And the sports press especially because it's, there's, there's literally, you know, it, the world's not going to end because a tennis player doesn't talk to the press. The world's not going to end if the tennis match doesn't happen. It's not like it's, while it's news, it's entertainment news. And, um, so because of that, its importance is different. I'm not going to say it's unimportant because entertainment, especially when you have time that is no longer spent, you don't have to spend all your time on um, basic necessities. Entertainment becomes more and more important as human beings because you're not focused on just feeding yourself. Once you get past just feeding yourself, all things become possible. Once human beings progress past being able to feed themselves, you know, stop being hand to mouth, society progressed, exploded everywhere. And then 
when they had droughts and famines and stuff, it disintegrated again. It's the ability to have surplus food. You know, allows for all these things. And they become necessary. I mean, you can go back to World War II and, you know, they still had people playing baseball. They still had entertainment because those people who are working in the factories, they needed something to do when they weren't working in the factories. They need something to relieve the stress, some way to have something more than just being a cog. Those poor soldiers had to do it, but you know, it's it's harder at home in a sense because you don't have the adrenaline of I might die to keep you going. So you have to keep them, and it's not you know the whole bread and circuses thing. It's one of the most misunderstood quotes. What? You know, bread and circuses. Get some bread and circuses, and they won't revolt. They think that it was an attempt to. People view that as an attempt to control the populace. But it's not what it was. It was an observation. That if people are fed and entertained, they have no reason to revolt. They're happy. It's the bread and circuses comments are really about. It's not that if I give them bread and circuses, they won't revolt. Because they will if they're unhappy. But bread and circuses made the Romans happy. Now, of course, the problem is, when you're just giving away breads and circuses, you eventually run out of other people's money. <laughs> That's what happened in Rome. As long as they were out expanding and bringing in money from the places they were raiding, they could afford all that. The minute they stopped expanding, they ran out of other people's money, and the bread and circuses stopped. Ah. Or they became at the expense of the general populace. Well, that's not going to be very happy if you have circuses at the expense of your bread. Or you get bread at the expense of your circuses. Yeah. So, well, and, but it's, the point is, is that this young woman has decided to take care of herself. And on an individual level, and that's all great. She's fully supportive and she should do it. The press should behave themselves, ask better questions, ask smarter questions. Stop being stupid. God, especially the sports press. They ask the dumbest ass questions. <laughs> like, we ask real questions. You know, you know, don't be, maybe the, our focus is, shouldn't be on her wanting to take care of herself. Maybe our focus should be on why. Why we are driving them to not play a game they love. Sacrifice potentially millions of dollars in, in prize money, sponsorship money. Because what we're asking of them is too hard on their emotional well-being. Maybe it's not even the press we should be look, we should be questioning. Maybe it's what we ask the press to do. Now, there is a counter-argument to that. Sports media is dying. All media is dying. So maybe we have told the press we don't like how they're behaving. And the question is, are they listening? That's a deeper question. All right, and that's one I don't actually have an answer to. Okay, so... So the other one is... Trauma. Recognizing the lifelong impact of trauma. Um, do we want to come back to that one later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright. Well, let's do this one now, because this is actually a, a good thing to talk. Because there's an article here we we're talking about, about someone's toxicity with a cry for help when they were at their lowest. And that's an interesting concept because it's something we it often. It is an interesting concept. It's not something we often think about. No, it's not something I like to think of myself as fairly self-aware and fairly aware of other things. I hadn't considered it. 
that when someone's at their lowest, the their toxic behavior looks like they're trying to push somebody away, but it's a incompetent cry for help. They don't know how else to do they it. They don't know how else to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe even if it's not, you don't, they're at their lowest. They can't do it any other way. That's the only way they're having to interact. And they need someone who loves them to understand that this is extreme out of character behavior and need intervention. Yeah. But that is such a hard step to take as a friend, family, loved one. When do you do an intervention and when not? I mean, how do you know? Well, I would consult a professional. Yeah, that, they could guide you through that process. Well, I mean, a professional can help, but ultimately you're still the one who has to make the decision and has to deal with the repercussions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you can gather family together and, you know, make it a family decision if you, your family is somewhat functional. I suppose there's there's that. But it's a tough thing. I mean, we've both been through the mental health ringers. We've both lived long lives with, you know, many connections, shall we say. Yeah. And so we've seen a lot, even if we haven't experienced it. And it's a tough thing because it's hard on everybody. It's hard on absolutely everybody around me. And that decision on when to intervene, when to not intervene, how much to intervene. And are there right answers? And you don't know until maybe years later if you did the right thing. I mean, those are some of the things that, you know, make life very difficult. But when people get to that end of their rope and they are essentially begging in the best way they know how, and it's up to us, aren't isn't it? Their friends, their family, the loved ones, kind and compassionate strangers to try and help. And uh, the key word there is try. You can only try. You know, you can try to do the right thing. You can try to do the best things you can do. But, you know, it's hard to know if you're doing the right thing. But there is a clue. If your behavior is ethical and civilized, then you're probably at least not going to do much harm. If you're focused around kindness, compassion, and ethical behavior, you're not going to do much harm, even if you're wrong. You may do some, because, you know, you could have done the wrong thing, but you would have done it with kindness and compassion, so you wouldn't have pushed hard, so you wouldn't have had, you know me, one of the things I believe in is every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So whatever you do, you should do the least possible to get the response. And then push as softly and as gently, as kindly, as compassionately as you can. Because then you will get that back. Yes, you do. (laughs) You do are that way. Because that's what you get back. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. It's a fundamental rule of life. It's not just a rule of physics. It's a rule of life. It works everywhere it's tried. Now, the reaction sometimes aren't, is it predictable? That's a different question. <laughs> but there is a reaction. Sometimes the reaction isn't seeable because it gets lost in the noise of life. But there is a reaction. All right, so we got five minutes for halftime. Let's go back and do that other one real quick. The traumatized thing. Okay. Because 
we're just going to skip to the end. What do you do after you've been traumatized? You're sitting here. Let's say you're 30 years old. You've dealt with trauma in your life. You've had a bunch of trauma in your life, and you're now ready to deal with it. You know, the question becomes, what do you do? Now what? Now what? You know, you're sitting there crying over your ice cream, watching a crying movie. Or if you're a guy, you're screaming at the car because a bolt is stuck. You know, who knows? <laughs> and you're just now ready to deal with all this internal chaos. You're just ready to deal with it. You're tired of the negative impact it's having on your life. And you just want to be better. And what do you do? Well, first thing is, accept that. The very first thing I would suggest is that you accept it. That, yes, I'm traumatized. The hardest thing we all come is we all lie to ourselves. That I'm okay. I'll get or through. Or we minimize it. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Oh, it was a long time ago. It was a long time. That's a big one. It was a long time ago. I've already moved past it. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You know why? Because you're contemplating it right now. Now, it doesn't mean that people who have moved past it don't think about it. But they don't contemplate on it. It pops up, they know it, how to deal with it, and it moves on. They've already kind of dealt with it. doesn't mean it doesn't pop up, but it's just they have almost an automatic response when it does. That's how you know you've dealt with it. It's those, those who, every time it pops up, you have to deal with it again. It means you haven't actually dealt with it. And, you know, whether it's professional help, self-help, you know, realize you're starting at square zero. It's going to be a long journey. And that you're going to live with that for the rest of your life. You're, it's now part of who you are. And as hard as it's going to be, you're going to have to let that be part of who you are. But it doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to... color all of your life. You can become like your little toe, like the pinky toe. You know, it's there. It exists. When you stub it, it hurts like hell. But for the most part, you don't notice it. That's what these things can become. It takes a lot of work. There's no shortcut. You know? There's lots of self-help books. There's lots of people like us who talk things through it. There's professional counselors. You know, it's never been easier to find someone to talk to, to find a professional to talk to. You can do it online. You can do it through Zoom. They have apps. They're now inexpensive and accessible. There's The only excuse is the person that I mean. And... It's a courageous step. It really is. It takes a courageous step to to go seek help. Yes, it does. And so, when you make that choice, you understand that is the first step of becoming stronger. You have taken the first step simply by deciding to do it. You are no longer at step zero. You're now at step one. Progress. You are on the path to getting better. And with that, we are going to take our break. All right, and we are back for the second half. You know, we went through that whole first half of the show, and I didn't do a single banner or, or things or anything. We, we didn't talk any of our... Things. We didn't tell people to go to latenightlove.us. We didn't tell them they could find our podcast at anchor.fm slash latenightlove and on most other popular podcast networks. And we're here every Saturday night at 10. And we're going to start doing those daily doses again, I think probably in July, I think is what our goal, my goal is. Oh, oh, okay. 
I'm going to start releasing them, which means we want to start recording some. Okay. Just time to get back to try to get back to some normalcy after the chaos of the last couple of months of my whatever the heck that has been. Lord. Me and my I find if there's a bureaucratic hole that can be found, I just say I find it. We're just, we can leave it at that. I just I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. You can send love me a, lo- uh, a, a love letter at love I love letter <laughs> US. Sure. You can you can find me at Twitter at Jazzrack, or you can always find us at our Facebook page, our MeWe page, Minds page, Locals, and all that good fun stuff. Just search us, and you can find us on your social media. And I think. That's it for the business aspect of it. All right. So we're off. Okay. So which one of these questions do we want to start off? We've got a laundry list. Do we have questions for the second half of our show? So which ones do you want, love? Well, I like the first one. I I try not to laugh. (laughs) Is there really a point to life after 30? No, no, there's not. No, there's just, just, just lay down. Just, just, just lay down and give up. <laughs> life starts at 30. The point of life after 30 is not much different than the point of life at 25. I'm not sure. I mean, what? Do you think life is about, what, going to nightclubs and partying? And if, if that's your life, if that's your view of life, it's like, you know, being in school and having beer pong and and doing those kind of things, well, then you're right. After 30, that's nothing but downhill, right? Just simple knees and joints and muscles and the deterioration of your physical body starts at about 30. So, I mean, if your aspect is to play, you might want to know. After 30, it's a downhill essentially downhill so the no but the reality is life gets better after 30 that's just when you're starting to get smart and it's not because you're not smart it's because you don't have enough experience it's it's simple experience you haven't experienced enough of the world to have a good reference to make consistently good decisions It's just pure ignorance. There's not, and there's no other way around to solve that type of ignorance other than experience. And you only get experience by living, and that only starts to happen until you get about thirty. You just don't have enough experience yet. Now, if you go back in earlier days, you know where you started your life at twelve. You know, you're an adult at twelve, out the house, off, married, starting your own family. You know, okay, 30 was different. 30 was when your kids were getting old. It was when your kids were getting pushed off. But, of course, you died at 35. We now die at 80. Give or take. So, you got a long time to enjoy life after 30. It's not over. It's the same as it was last year. Life after 30 is no different than life at 29. (laughs) It is exactly what you make of it. That's what life after 30 is. Exactly what you make of it. Alright, so which one you got about next? You're controlling questions today. Well, I'm just taking them down the line. My daughter's only goal in life is to become a housewife. How do I change her mind and encourage her to get a career? Well, why would you? It's backup. But but you didn't ask her to say, hey, go get educated so you have a backup plan. That's not what she said. She wants her to change her mind. So the question is, I want to be a doctor. Well, you shouldn't be a doctor because you're a house- I want you to be, you should be a housewife. Would you tell them that? If you wouldn't tell them that, then why should you tell them that you shouldn't be a What's wrong with being a housewife? Being a housewife, raising a child, helping someone else become highly successful, 
it's it's a rewarding thing. That's why so many women have wanted to do it over the course of their lifetime. It's actually highly rewarding. And we've just been talking about how people are willing to take huge pay cuts for lifestyle choices so they have a better life. That's it exactly. <laughs> she's not interested in money. She's interested in quality of life. Now, the question is, go get yourself educated so you're more attractive to somebody. You can carry on a highly complex conversation. You, If something goes wrong, divorce or death or something, you're not left with nothing. You have something to fall back on. That's a good discussion to have, but that's a different discussion. And you can still pursue a lot an education along those lines. Home economics is a career choice. Yeah. And especially now. You can make you can become a you can become a podcast host helping other moms. Careers exist the careers will exist for her that we don't even know exist will exist. Today. Yeah. So instead of stomping on her dreams. Help her achieve them more fully. Okay. How do you become the best housewife you can be? What kind of education do you need? To both attract the type of person that's going to, that you want, right? Because you, you want to attract the type of person, so you're going to need to be, be able to carry on a conversation. You're also going to be able to manage a household in a complex environment, which means you probably should take some, you know, at least take some basic economics courses, Maybe even in accounting class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can actually run the household. Because running a household, what is it? Women control most of the spending. Like 80% of spending, household spending, comes from women. Because they're the ones who are at home. They're the ones who make the house decisions. Yeah, they, a lot of times they ask their husbands, but their husbands know better than to say no if they can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> if they say no, they you know for the most part, and it plays out in, in who makes economic decisions. You know the day-to-day -day economic decisions. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a housewife. Help her become the best housewife she can be, and it will also create the backup that she needs to be secure, that she's not dependent on somebody else if things go wrong. You know, you wouldn't tell her she couldn't be a doctor. Don't tell her she can't be a, be a housewife. housewife. Help her become the best housewife possible, and she will succeed in ways that we can't imagine. And she'll be mentally healthy. All right. So what's the next one? My child just called me sus. Uh-huh. <laughs> what does this mean, and what do I do? Okay, sus is just means you're suspicious or you're sus or you're a suspect. You're behaving suspiciously. It's it's a gamer tag. Usually means for people who are cheating, but it, it, you know how these things leech out. It's a gamer tag. Yeah, it, it's it's a gamer thing, but it's leeching out. You know how some of these things they leech out into popular. Of course, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It started as a gamer thing. When someone's cheating, hacking, yeah. They're sus. They're suspect. It's, it's suspicious. Suspect. Yeah. And so what they're doing, they, they, whatever you are doing, they're saying it's suspicious. They're saying you're thinking you're hiding something. And just ignore it. it. There's nothing to do. They're just engaging in themselves. You know, what were you doing? <laughs> were you hiding something? <laughs> you know, if, if you were kind of hiding something or, you know, not telling them something. Because, you know, sometimes there's things you don't want your children to know. You know, maybe you're planning a, a romantic evening with your spouse and it's none of your children's damn business. And so, but they can tell you're kind of doing something underneath the scenes. Why are you acting so, yeah, 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 yeah. So, nine times, 99 times out of 100, man, just they're just engaging in life and let's just have some fun with it. That's how I would deal with it. But good for asking the question, what the hell does this mean? <laughs> Alright, so what's this next one? Should you let should you let a thirteen year old nephew change your daughter's diaper? He said he wants to learn how to do it. Should I let him? 
Well, I think that depends on the nephew. I don't think there's a universal answer. Some people are just interested in learning how to change the diaper. Some people are more kid-friendly. You know, they're just more interested in that kind of thing. And, you know, others may have, you know, maybe a sign, maybe not. I wouldn't want to assume it is a sign of something deeper. But what if they're curious? Yeah, well, it may just be, you know, it depends. It, that's what I mean. It, so it so sorely depends on the child. You're just going to have to use your best judgment on the individual child. I would suspect that this child is comfortable around young children and they're just curious. Maybe they're going to be wanting to start a family at a young age. If there's a clue to watch for, that's what I'd be watching for. You know, people mature at different ages, and they want to learn to practical skill. It's a practical skill. It just is. And some people want to learn as much as they can. And some people want to learn about baking. Other people want to learn how to take care of kids. So, I don't know. You have to know. You have to know the child at hand. If there's a reason to suspect, well, then fine. But you're standing there watching. You're helping them learn. I'm not sure, entirely sure what you're afraid of at that stage. A first-time diaper changer is as dangerous as any first-time diaper changer, whether you're 13 or 33. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go wrong. <laughs> Especially if you got a squirmer. Yeah, but I don't know. You, I would, you could always offer up a doll. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I guess my question is: Is there a reason for you to be worried? Is there something that's concerning you other than the fact that it's just a thirteen-year-old boy? That was. I mean, would you be concerned if it was a thirteen-year-old girl? That's a very good question. And if you wouldn't, then you're being sexist. Now, if there's a personality trait about this boy that sends off alarm bells, it's a different question. But if it's just because it's just a boy and it's unusual because it's a boy, don't stop being sexist. Okay, I think this next one is my favorite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I bought my 16-year-old daughter an Audi car, and she was complaining I didn't buy the, the Tesla Model S. Should I return the car and tell her to wait until next year or to get the Tesla? You can return the car. You return the, the car. car buy it. Fucking you go. That's what she's getting. Oh, oh, you're gonna complain about the car you got? All right. You know, either a, I would be sorely tempted just to take the car back. I would take the car back. But as a father. I said, no, I promised you a car. I'm going to get you a car. It's going to be a hoopty. I'm going to pay 500 bucks for it, and it's going to barely be safe. <laughs> it's going to be safe, and that's it. It's going to have three different colors. You know, the fenders are all not going to match. The the rims are all going to be different, and, and I ain't giving you no money to pretty it up because you need to learn some humbleness. Now, as a parent, you need to spend some time in the mirror because you created that mess. That's a mess. No, you do never buy that child a Tesla. Ever. Not at this point. Ever. Well, people change. But okay, but at this stage, no. There's no way in hell you upgrade the car. No way in hell. You either appreciate what you've been given... Or you get nothing. See, my kids always appreciated what they were given. But we grew up poor. They grew up poor. And so they always appreciated so And so they always appreciated everything. And so if you have resources and um, your child doesn't appreciate those things, it means you didn't do something. You didn't make them understand that they are lucky. And that they need to be humble when they are 
granted this type of despise the word privilege this type of um gift that's it, what, it's a gift that's a gift it's a gift is this how you act about with a gift yeah you talk about like looking a gift horse in the mouth you never look a gift horse in the mouth well you do because you want to find out how old it is but you don't complain about it you say thank you and if you must just sell it for glue right you deal with it because someone cared about you and your 16 year old daughter now let's not be too hard it's a fair it's a relatively common 16 year old reaction you know I wanted the red one tough they didn't have the red one they only had the black one deal with it but the fact that she asked for an upgrade and the fact that you are considering taking the car back and waiting a year to get the upgrade taking the car back is, I don't know. I don't necessarily like completely taking it back. You promise them something, and then it's kind of changing the rules. Unless you told them, if you, if you give me a bad attitude, I'm going to take it back. You know, you're changing the rules in the middle of the game. I don't particularly like that. But I'm paying the insurance. I'm buying the car. I can buy whatever I damn well want to give you. I can take that back, resell it, and buy you a Aztec Aztec <laughs> buy you a Pinto or a Mustang too or some god awful Dodge start yeah buy you some god awful ugly looking thing and you can drive around in that with no air conditioning no radio yeah and a manual transmission yeah yeah no no luxuries in your life you're gonna have to work to get something new now Yeah, but it's a well. It's a life lesson moment. Yeah, don't fail because uh, you know, at sixteen, I don't want to be too hard on any parent because at sixteen, sometimes there's nothing you could have done to prevent that type of an attitude. You're just gonna have it, even though I. But it's that second part. Wait next year to get a Tesla that suspect makes me suspect this attitude is partly a parenting problem. Because you know how I dealt with this kind of thing. But I want a Tesla. It's good to want things. It's good to want things. <laughs> it builds character when you don't get it. You, <laughs> you tell me that today. It's one of my most favorite things. It's good to want things. It builds character when you don't get it. God, you know how many times I've said that over the decades. <laughs> Forgot where I picked that one up from. But none of these things are my own. All right. So what do you got next? Oh, this one's a good one. Oh, yeah. How do I react to my daughter postponing her wedding reception until her dad, my ex-husband, gets fully vaccinated? I want it to happen without him attending. Daughter told me she needs him to be there for her and to walk her down the aisle. Okay, well, that's how she envisions her wedding. Yeah, well, here's what. It's good to want things. Builds character when you don't get it. <laughs> it's her day. It's her wedding. She it's, gets to make these choices. Yes. You're just going to have to sit down and shut up. <laughs> Put on the smiley face and be civil. It's I, only for a few hours. <laughs> it's only for a few hours. If you can't be civil for your daughter for a few hours, then don't go. So what's the question? Is Can you be civil for a couple hours for your daughter or can't you? I can understand not wanting to spend a couple hours with your with your ex. It's a wedding. You don't have to hang out with them a lot. Yeah, you say hi and you go hang out on the other you side. You have you get your pictures taken. That's exactly what happened at my <laughs> oldest daughter's wedding. I did. I sat way across the room from him. I, I and I sat with my back to him, so I didn't have to look at his ugly face. <laughs> And other than that, you'd be perfectly civil. And I was perfectly civil. Because yeah, yeah. so it was my daughter's wedding. Is it that hard? 
Okay, so I want to close with the humanity one. So let's skip to the next one. Okay. What will happen to humanity 500 years from now? Now we skip down to the end. Um, skip the skip the next that next one as well because we're we've got ten. Okay, minutes. well you read the next one then because I'm lost. All right. Why does my daughter not like me hugging her? My 14 year old daughter barely gives me hugs anymore and only does it if I ask. She does not like it when people touch her very much. Should I be worried? She's 14. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's perfectly. That's normal. perfectly normal. Yeah, her body's changing. She's changing. She's probably not very comfortable with it. And she's also, if you do want to be worried about something, be worried about maybe touch sensitivity, maybe an anxiety issue or something of that nature. You might want to have that discussion. Um, so maybe there's something else there that she doesn't understand because she's 14. And so you have to ask why, what happens to you when you're hugging somebody? What are you thinking about? What happened? What runs through your head? Um, disassociate yourself from it because you know you're going to take it emotionally if you put you in it. So you got to ask about her, what how she's experienced, how she experiences the hug. It's not about you because clearly she's experiencing the hug differently than you are. Now it could just be typical 14 year old thing, or she could be developing an anxiety thing and she's touch sensitive. You know. Because I know when the I'm having bad anxiety days, I become touch sensitive sometimes, and so you know there. So there is might be something to worry about, but my suspicion is she's just 14. <laughs> but it's a good question to have because and it's a good start. Make sure she also sends a signal that you're concerned to her about her mental health her well-being, and keeps those lines of communication open, which are hard to do with teenagers. Focus on her, not you. Hey, I noticed that you don't like to hug people, that you don't like touch. Can you explain to me what's going through your head? Because I'm, I'm just worried about, is it a teenage angst thing? If that, That's fine, that's one thing. But, you know, maybe it's, in the, is there an anxiety issue connected with it? And having that connection, having that conversation, is even if it's just a 14 year old angst, it keeps doors open later on. Yes, it certainly does. It just it sends the message that they're more you're more concerned about them than they are about how it feels you because you're the adult. Behave like one. You know, it's not about you. You're the one who has your you're the one who has control of your emotions. 14 year olds don't. They haven't learned yet. You can help them. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's go to the 12-year-old thing. 12-year-old son got someone pregnant. Did I do something wrong? Maybe. But I doubt it. Your 12-year-old son got in the hands of a predator. And predators can happen from any gender. Yes, I can. 12 year old isn't sophisticated enough to make those kinds of decisions. Whether it's a 12 year old boy or a 12 year old girl, we don't think of a 12 year old boy at being <laughs> abused, but that's what happened. That is what happened. And we don't even think about it. It's a tragedy. It's our, our young men are disposable. And it's just another sign. You know, it's the same it's the same trauma that a young girl would have gone through. Now, the young girl's trauma extends nine months, the rest of her life. While the young boys may not, so Still, as a child, that shouldn't be our concern. You know, our concern should be that individual child, not those other issues. That somebody else has it worse. So what? Somebody else will always have it worse. Get your child some counseling and file a police report. 
that's my view on that. All right. So let's get this last one. We've got five minutes. What would happen to humanity 500 years from now? Will we colonize another planet or will we become extinct? Well, to end, is it all worth it? We don't know. I mean, I'd, it, I'd like to think that we will. I mean, colonizing another planet may not be realistically possible. Maybe the only planet we colonize is our own. Maybe we go into the ocean. You know, for those of us who are Isaac Asimov's fans, you know, the, the planet of Trantor was essentially one big city underground. Miles underground. Maybe we don't leave home. Maybe we change home. Maybe we just colonize the moon. Maybe we build domes on Mars. Or maybe we span the stars. Or maybe an asteroid hits tomorrow and everything resets as it's done numerous times in the past. Uh, yeah, it certainly has. But there's no telling the future. That's why it's called the future. That's why we take care of ourselves now. So we're prepared for the unknown. That's why we educate ourselves now. So we're prepared for the unknown. That's why we love each other now. So we can deal with the unknown. That's why we build our family structures. That's why we build our relationships. That's why we build civilization. So we can be prepared for the unknown. We've learned over human evolution that being unprepared is dangerous. And the question means, how do you prepare for the unknown? By becoming the best you you can be. So no one else gets to judge that for you. You have that judgment all on yourself. You get to judge, is this worth it? You get to judge, where am I going? You get to judge, have I done enough? The world doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, the only one that... You're the one who has to look at yourself. You're the one who has to understand that I've made the world a better place, or I haven't. And what do we want to do? Do we want to be better? Do we want the world to be a better place? Because what's the alternative? The world's a better place, or it's not. You become a better person, or you don't. That's the choice. You either strive to become a better person or the world passes you by. Is it all worth it? It's an an only an answer for you. It's an answer for the mirror. It's a question for the mirror. I'm sorry. There is no answer. There isn't. Because you will get a different answer on a different day. And with that, it's time for us to go. You can send Lubby a love letter at love at late night love us. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, and Minds. And for me and Lubby tonight, thank you for joining us. Have a good night. And please remember to love everybody. Bye.